Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. You know, there's just so many things to love about the Christmas season. One of the things that I think we all love the most are our traditions. When we start putting all of our traditions together, the things that we love about Christmas, we start to get into some things that maybe are nuanced to things that you like. So there's debates, right? When If you're the person who loves outdoor illumination, you love putting decorations outside, the big debate, do you put out white lights or colored lights? Because the white light says we're classy and we are very serious. And the party light says, like, we like to party and here's our inflatable snowman and Star Wars thing, right? And then you're trying to outdo our neighbors. Well, I try to do it with my neighbors, but that's a side note. But then we talk about, uh, we look at our Christmas trees. Do you have a real Christmas tree or do you get the fake Christmas tree? Now, we all know that you should have a real Christmas tree because it smells amazing and then the needles fall off and you get to vacuum all up. But in our home, we have settled for a plastic tree, which isn't as fun. So we get Yankee candles to make it smell like balsam fir. Uh, well, that's another thing that we love to talk about is our ornaments. So I, ornaments are something that's passed down from generation to generation. And your Christmas tree may be full of ancient, beautiful, crystal ornaments that have been passed down from your great-great-grandmother and their Christmas stories. And then you may have the one that's full of Star Wars and Back to the Future Hallmark plastic ones. When you push it, it says, Luke, I'm your father, and all that kind of stuff. And so your Christmas tree is more like the party, and you probably have the multicolored lights outside. Just saying, like you are the party-type home. But there's food. Do you eat ham at Christmas, or do you eat turkey at Christmas? And I don't understand this, because it makes no sense to me. We just had turkey. Why do you eat turkey at Christmas time? It makes no sense. Ham is now at the center of the story, but then I eat ham at Easter too, so that makes no sense. But then there's people who skip all of it and say the best option that we have is that we're going to go out to eat because mom and dad do not want to cook. Totally get that vibe too. So you're like, whatever's open, Chinese food, it's awesome. Literally like the Christmas story. And while I'm here and I have a microphone, I want to make something extremely clear to all of you. Never are you supposed to play Christmas music before Thanksgiving. Ever. Never. Never. You oversaturate the whole system. You're listening to this stuff since July. And like, where's the wonder and its splendor if you're listening to it while you're still sitting on a beach? It doesn't make any sense to me. Christmas music is supposed to start exactly as God intended after Thanksgiving. That is the way it's supposed to be. All of these things that come together, all of our traditions, all the things, the way you do the things that you do come from something. You never really probably thought about why your preference for cookies come from. Like, did your mom make chocolate chip cookies? Did she make the frosted cookies? Or did she make those amazing peanut butter thumbprint cookies with the Hershey Kiss in the middle, which is like really like a Reese's peanut butter cup in cookie form? And whatever your preference of cookie probably comes from the type of cookies that you had from your home. All of these traditions, your lights, your cookies, your songs come from something. It comes from your childhood. So much of our childhood is this formative time in which we start to feel like there's a comfort around those things. I feel comfortable when I'm around a tree with white lights that is pretty because 
It reminds me of growing up. Or for some of you, Christmas was like this crazy hodgepodge of a million people in your house, and it was just crazy, and you had multicolor lights, and people are ripping presents open, and people open on Christmas Eve instead of Christmas Day, and then you get married. So anyone who's been married in here, we all know what we're saying, the tension of marriage and Christmas. If you aren't married, let me tell you what happens at this. Person A brings all of their traditions into a relationship. Person B brings all their traditions into the relationship. And now you have this place of pure explosion. White lights, colored lights, cookies, ham, turkey, like all these things. And you start to create what becomes now your family's tradition. And now as a family starts to come together and that couple has kids, now they know what they know and they pass things on. But it all starts stemming from something. There's something comfortable about being home. Back in the 80s, I grew up in, born in the 70s, grew up in the 80s. Man, let me tell you, there's little baby Jason opening up gifts. Um, I believe those are actually my Empire Strike Back uh, sheets, which I still have to this day. Um, there's something about the time period of opening gifts, the smells, the tastes, the sights, the sounds, all the senses get engaged when you're a kid. And the 80s was just an awesome time to grow up because we had the raddest, most awesome presence of all time because we had the coolest toys ever created. G.I. Joe, Transformers, Snoopy fishing poles. I mean, the greatest gift, a Snoopy fishing pole. I mean, all the things of that time, I have all these warm, fuzzy feelings, so much so that I have a little area in my 80s room in my basement where I've got the original Nintendo next to my original Transformers, and I dust them. If any kids touch them, I yell at them, don't touch them, they're collectibles, right? Warm, squishy feelings. They all come back home. But I remember something different. I remember when I left home. I remember when I went to college for the first time. And that first semester away from home was super weird. I remember being away and nothing made sense. The smells, the culture, the place to drive. I went out of state. I went to Illinois, so you know what that's like. Um, I, I mean, nothing made sense to me. And I remember the feeling of Christmas break. My first semester had finished. I'd gotten through the first semester and I got to come home. And so I did what every college student does. You take every unwashed piece of clothing that you own, which is everything when you're a college student. You put it into garbage bags because you can't afford cloth bags. You throw them into your car, which you can't see out the back, so you're driving really dangerously, to drive back home. And so my car full of smelly underwear and socks and I'm driving home happy as a clam because when I pull up, I know everything's going to make sense. When I pull into that driveway and I pull into my, uh, my home and I open the door and I walk in and the smells hit me, this makes sense. Those are my mom's cookies. This is my family's lights. All of this feels so warm. I feel like I'm back home. There's a certain feeling about that coming back home that just can't be replaced. And I know you know what I'm saying. The traditions, the comfort of knowing that you understand what's going on, the comfort of what just seems to make sense to you, that's what coming home feels like. But I'm going to share something with you today that might look a little different from the typical Christmas story. I want us to think a little bit different because if you are new into the church world, you at least have an understanding of Jesus in a manger. And if you've been in the church world for a while and been 
uh, know and studying, you, you know a larger story of why Jesus came. But I want to share something that maybe you've never thought of, no matter where you are on your journey with God. We never really think about Jesus leaving his home so you could have a home. Let me say that again. Jesus left his home to come to get you and save you so that you can have a home. Jesus came to bring us back home. So what does that mean? Uh, when we look at the story of Jesus, we celebrate and rightfully so his birth at Christmas time, which we are doing and going to continue to do this afternoon. But one of the things that I'm going to share with you is a passage that you don't typically think about when it comes to Christmas passages. We're going to take a look at John chapter 6. And in John chapter 6, I'm going to catch you up because there's a large story going on. In John chapter 6, what we see is that John, Jesus comes and there's this large crowd and he's teaching and 5,000 people are in this crowd. That's a lot of people. 5,000 people are outdoors. Now, they came to listen to him. They heard he was a great teacher, but they're humans just like all of us. Really, he was becoming a rock star and they want to see who this Jesus was. They heard about him doing miracles. They've heard that this Jesus does amazing things, that he's an amazing teacher. So you have this huge crowd of people. They're all gathering around to listen to him talk. Some are here to see if he's real. There's all mixed bag of motives in a crowd, right? Just like any crowd. Mixed bag of motives. So 5,000 people, which is a lot of people for the area, have got, come around to hear him teach. So he finishes teaching and it's time to eat, and they realize that there's no food for everybody. And so Jesus performs a miracle that's amazing. He takes just a couple of loaves, five loaves of bread and two fish, and performs a miracle in which all 5,000 people were completely fed and satisfied. 5,000 people. That is a lot of people. So this miracle happens where Jesus feeds everybody. So now, like, hey, I like this guy. We get free eats, right? So they're eating and they're talking and all this ruckus is happening. Jesus is done teaching. He says, all right, we need to get away for some time alone. So he gets into a boat with his disciples and he goes across the sea. While he goes across the sea to another town, the crowd's like, hey, where's Jesus at? The star of the show, right? He's the, people they came, the person they came to see. And then they realize, like, where'd he go? We were too busy stuffing our faces to pay attention, I guess. So they get into a boat and say, we got to go back and see Jesus. So they follow him over into this next town. So they get out of their boats, and Jesus comes to this next town and starts teaching again. So there's a miracle that has happened, and they start asking this question, who is this guy, man? Like, didn't you just have like a couple of loaves of bread and fish? And we've heard stories about you. Like, who are you? And so that takes us into John chapter 6, verses 28 to 29. They're asking him a question. Hey, if you got this all down, what do we have to do to get to heaven? If that's a question you have today, this is the question that this crowd had back then. And so they're asking really good questions. It's John 6, 28 to 29. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So if this, if this makes a little, not a lot of sense to you, let me put you back into Jewish culture for the Jewish people. In the Old Testament, we see that God had set a way for the Jewish people to uh, cleanse themselves and have rituals before coming before him. They set up a system to say, you just don't come to me. 
I am the Lord God Almighty. I'm holy and different from you. And so you must do things to recognize our differences. And so there's rituals and ceremonies that they would go through. Well, what started to happen in the culture is they started to believe that if I do religious things, then I'm good with God. So maybe even you may have that viewpoint. If I'm a really, really, really good person, I go to church a lot, I give a lot, I don't kick my neighbor's dog when it poops on my lawn, like whatever your story is, right? You think you're a really great person. I'm doing all the right religious things for me to be able to earn my way to heaven. Or so God isn't mad at me. If I do all the right stuff, then me and God were cool. For them, they're like, we're doing all these things that God told us to do. Therefore, we're good, right, Jesus? And Jesus flips the entire script on them and doesn't say, keep doing all these rituals. He says this, the work of God is this. This is the work you have to do. Believe in the one who he has sent. Believe in me. That's it. We have overcomplicated religion, following God and all of this. It's this simple. Believe in Jesus. That was it. So I wasn't there at the moment, but I, wanna, I like to do narratives in my mind. I would think a hush starts to fall over the crowd because they're like, what did this dude just say? What do you mean just believe in you? And these are people who knew the Old Testament law of doing things. And so this would have been shocking to the crowd. You don't worry about that. Believe in me. And so think about this. All of the traditions, all of the things that they know and are comfortable, their home just got wrecked because their entire culture just got turned upside down by Jesus saying a couple of few words. Well, for the Jewish people, they're going to ask some questions and start saying like, wait a minute, um, okay, how are we supposed to believe this? Because that's a big statement. You're saying to us today that all we have to do is believe in you? Uh, what does that even mean, Jesus? We understand you're a great teacher. Obviously, you're a fantastic chef. We're very full and very happy right now. But you better start to help us understand this teaching a little bit more. Because the way to heaven is believing that God sent you to save me? That's all I have to do is believe that? So the crowd starts to ask these questions. And I love Jesus because he is a masterful teacher. The way that Jesus taught was so unbelievable. He would tell stories. Um, he would use things that were around them. They'd be walking by a field and they'd say, the kingdom of God is like, and he would use things in a teaching way that made it so easy at times to understand, but it was super complicated to them because they were so stuck in understanding their way of life. So Jesus once again teaches something as the master teacher that he is. He gives an example about the food they just ate. They just ate and their tummies are full. And so he gives this example. You just ate a ton of bread and fish. Your tummies are full. You chased me over. I don't know if you want dessert or why you came, but you're here, right? So you would come across here, and he uses this amazing story, and this is verse 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm about to get some mad eats on after this. 
I'm going to eat and I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat, eat, eat. And when I'm done eating, I'm tapping my belly. I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and say, man, that was good food last night was today. And that crowd had just eaten. And we all know that that crowd is going to be hungry the next day. So Jesus uses an analogy of food and hunger to say, I am something that you are never going to want again. So you're scratching your head and like, all right, Jesus, food, bread, I'm not quite understanding. Let's, let's put this in our story today. How often are you filling your life with something that you hope makes you happy, makes you feel valued, makes you feel like you have purpose? How many times are you trying to fill things and you find out it doesn't work, so you have to do it again or find something else, and you're constantly trying to put something into your life in which you feel full. And you're always hungry. Something's not right. Something doesn't feel right. I feel like there's got to be more to life. God, what is my purpose of life? And Jesus makes it so clear. It's me. If I'm your purpose, you found your purpose and you'd want nothing else. It's super simple to us now, as, we're, as I'm explaining it, super complicated to a group of Jewish people who are sitting there saying, this is not making sense. He reads on. But as I told you, you have seen me and you still not, do not believe. Think about it. He just saw a miracle. What more do I have to show you guys? I just fed you all. All those the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven. Listen to this verse. The key, key, key verse of this afternoon. For I have come down from heaven not to do the will, uh, do my will, but to do the will of one who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. There's a lot happening in this passage. Jesus says, whoever comes and believes in me, that's it. That is why I had come. So think about this. The entire story of Christmas, the manger was the beginning of a story to save you. Christmas is about saving you. Jesus came to save you. Jesus came to save the world. The whole purpose that he came down, little baby, no crying he makes, which is not true because he's a baby. He cried, right? So little baby Jesus who needs his parents to take care of him. He was, a, he was there. I mean, he was a baby. He needed, he was so soft and so vulnerable. He grew into this man and started learning and he started teaching the word of God. And the son of God now comes and says, I have come for this purpose. I'm literally coming because God has a plan. And God's plan is that I have to die for all of you. And if you believe in me, it's as simple as that. It's not religion, rituals, going through motions. It's not faking it. It's literally believe in me that God loves you so much and I love you and we have come to save you. The manger and Christmas is that you would be saved. It's the greatest story of Christmas ever. And Oftentimes, we look at the manger and the story and we get excited. And then as soon as the, the excitement wears off, we forget. But the truth is, friends, is that when Jesus came, 
He came down to save you. But listen to this. There's something that we don't think about. I shared this before. Back to verse 38. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up in the last day. That means have eternal life. Those that are called in the name of the Lord will have eternal life. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son believes and believes in Him shall have eternal life. And I will raise Him up on the last day. Jesus left His home to bring you home. Let this be your Christmas memory. Let this be your Christmas tradition. Jesus left His home to bring you back home. Jesus is the one who in Genesis chapter 1 has stars and moons and planets Genesis chapter 1, we see that we see sky and land separate, light and darkness, animals being formed, fish are being made. All of this creation is happening. Jesus is right there and part of it. All of this is happening. And then we enter the scene. He says, it is good. And then you get to chapter 2 and we blow everything up. Because now we choose sin over being a child of God. And so once sin enters the scene, our sonship now is broken. Our relationship is now broken. And now the God of the universe, who rightfully is on a throne, who's over all of his creation, this God of the universe, now sets in motion a plan to get you back home. That you would have a place. That you would know that you're loved. That when you walk in, you know that there's nothing you could do to make God love you less. Friends, I know someone in this room needs to hear that today because you say, Jason, I've done too much. When I walked in here, I looked at the structure of this building. I swear it may fall down on me because if I walk in a church, it may break down on top of my head. I'm telling you, if it doesn't break on my head, it's not breaking on your head. We're cool. But you feel that way. I've done too much. And I'm here to tell you, friend, there's nothing you can do to make God love you less because it costs and started a story of Jesus coming to die for you. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. Nothing. But God loves us so much, he has more for us in the story. So Jesus gave up his throne, his majesty, and the splendor of being there to come as a baby so that you can come back home. Jesus gave up his home to bring you back home. Now, let's look at this whole plan because this is so amazing in verse 39. And this is the will of him who sent me. This is Jesus talking again. We're talking about God. That I shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will. You want to know what God's will is or what does God want? It's in the Bible right here, verse 40. For this is God's will for us as all of humans. Everybody. This is, God. This is what God wants that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. Everybody who calls on the name of the Lord God Jesus Christ will be saved. Everyone who says, Jesus, I'm not good enough, will be saved. But this is the problem with us, is we've overcomplicated, over-religionized, and put all these extra things into it that it gets super complicated. So let me share this with you. There's this thought and this thing that we say sometimes, you know, if you were to die tonight, what would you say to God at the pearly gates? Why, why should I let you into my heaven? 
And I've heard lots of stories, and you probably have your own rendition of it. I'm going to tell you the correct answer. So if you die, just tell God this, and you're good. As a total joke. This is what you say. Uh, you know what? You shouldn't. That's the correct answer. You should not let me in. Because if you can say you should not let me in, you understand the story of God and where you are. If you say, but hey, I was a good person. I went to Mosaic Christmas Eve service. Um, I was really nice. I did all these wonderful things. I was super religious. Fill in the blanks. I did all this stuff. You do not understand the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the gospel is you can't do it yourself. Jesus did it all. Because Jesus came at Christmas to bring you back home. So at the pearly gates, the answer is you shouldn't. But... You made a promise that if I call on your son, your son's going to take my place. He was going to take my punishment. The only reason I should even enter into these gates is because of Jesus Christ, your son. I am not worthy, but he is. That's the beauty of the gospel. That is what I've given my life for, and that's what Mosaic Church was created for. We were built on this premise. We're not here to have more Sunday services just to do them. We are here on the mission of Jesus because he came to bring people home. We want to do everything we can. As long as we are here, breathing and living, to bring lost people back to the Father because the will of God is that you would know Jesus as your Savior. That is the will of God. It's in the book of John, chapter 6, verse 39 to 40. I love this, verse 40. For the Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise them up on the last day. Friends, there's not multiple ways to heaven. There aren't different ways you can earn your way there. There aren't multiple pathways that equal one way. There's one way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to the Father is through him. Jesus is the one who died and gave everything so that we can have eternal life, and that is the will of God, is to bring his children back home. I can't imagine as a father what it would feel like to have my kids lost. I can't imagine what it's like as a father to have my children broken and hurting, out lost in the world. But the beauty of the gospel is that when we call on the name of Jesus, we come back home because that's what he came to do. That is what, friends, Christmas is all about. The manger is going to lead to the cross and the cross is going to bring you back home. I love the gospel, I love this story, and I will never, ever, ever grow tired of saying it, dreaming about it, and talking about it, and reading about it. Let me just read this again, verse 30. I want you to hear this again. Hear God's word. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none for all those he has given me, but raise them up in the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at that last day. So here's my question for you today, friends, because we're all in different places on our spiritual journey. Jesus literally came at Christmas to bring you home, and I'm asking you the question, are you ready to come home? It's this simple. Call on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and that's it. Call on the name of the Lord God and you will be saved. Believe that Jesus was the Son of God who came to die in your place. Humble yourself 
You are never going to be good enough to fix the problems we've created. But Jesus fixed it all. And we get to be one of his kids. We get to go back home, go back to where we're supposed to be. That is Christmas. And I'm telling you this right now. There's no greater gift, I think, that I can offer the King Jesus right now. Because he came as a baby, but right now he's king. And when Jesus comes back again, we see in the scriptures, he comes back not in a manger. He comes back as the King of kings and Lords of Lords. Jesus is coming back and he is coming to bring his family back so that nobody is lost. Friends, I want you to know that. There's no greater gift I can offer King Jesus today than some child of his who is lost right now in this room to find him, to know that, he, that Jesus is the answer. So if you are in a journey of faith right now and you're exploring and you're not sure, that's cool. We are here. Mosaic is here. You don't have to come to our church if you are here as a visitor or new. Just find a great Bible-believing church. There's so many awesome churches. Of course, we want you to come here, but there's awesome ones out there. This is the story. It's not about church attendance. It's about finding Jesus Christ as your Savior. It does, that's the part that we get messed up, right? And maybe for you tonight was a tradition. We go to church at Christmas Eve, which is cool. Like It's my tradition too. I grew up with, with the candlelight, which we're going to do with Silent Night. Uh, we grew up with that. And I remember that story, and I felt warm, and it feels right. But is it a tradition, or are you seeking what God has for you in your life? Are you looking to come home? So I'm going to pray in a moment here. And there's nothing magical about this prayer by any means. What this is is a proclamation. If you want to come home, you just got to tell the Lord you want to come back home. I wonder how many in that crowd that day when all 5,000 people were there, maybe even more sat there and he starts talking like this. I wonder how many people accepted him as the son of God that day and were saved. I don't know. I don't know the story, but what I do know the story is this. I wonder how many right now in this crowd are going to be called to come home. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you stand up or I'm not going to make you fill out a card. None of that stuff. This is just for you, friends. Because we exist, I've given my life for this cause, that Christ has come to bring us home. So I'm going to pray here in a second. Pray along with me. And if you uh, would like to find some more information, obviously we're here. Ask us away. Uh, we, we're here to help you on the spiritual journey. Find a great home if you don't have one. But the key is this. Do you want to come home? Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world. Visit us at mosaicwi.com.